The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to Madrasa on A, 91.3 FM, the Hajj edition. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in studio. And at this time we are going to be continuing as to where we stopped yesterday. That is in terms under the banner of the history of Hajj. However, before we go along to that, to know that you can see through your questions as well as your clarifications that you need on certain aspects regarding the Hajj to the number 47913 and alternatively there's also our WhatsApp where you can send that through to. However, if you are going to be sending that through, do note that we are going to acknowledge your question that we have received. However, we will only be dealing with it after 3 o'clock inshallah. But for now, I'm going to be greeting Sheikh Ibrahim in studio and also allowing Sheikh to do the opening dua for us inshallah. Sheikh, assalamu alaikum. Shukran wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How's your Alhamdulillah, Sheikh, and yourself? Alhamdulillah, ala kulli hali. We can only but be thankful to Allah. Tell me Allah grant us to be worthy of that status of being Muslims. Alhamdulillah. Amen. Alhamdulillah. Uh, uh, Alhamdulillah. 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 وارزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله وthanks and praises due to Allah Taala always and forever and love and salam to our beloved Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ربي لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك ولأظيم سلطانك لا أحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك سبحانك Love and salam upon him, his family, his friends, and all those who follow his path. May Allah grant us to be amongst him. Ameen. Ameen. Ya Rabbal Alameen. Just before we do the recapping, allow us to make the opening dua. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar Rahmanir Rahim. Maliki Yawmiddin. Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'in. Ihdina Siratal Mustaqim. Siratal Ladina An'amta Alayhim. Ghayril Maghdubi Alayhim. Waladdalin. Ameen. Rabbana Zalamna Anfusana. Fa'idlam Taghfil Lana wa Tarhamna. Lana Kunanna Minal Khasirin. Allahumma Innaka Afoon. Kareemun Tuhibbul Afwa. Fa'afu Anna. Allahumma Inna Nas'aluka Ridaka Wal Jannah. وَنَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ سَخَتِكَ وَالنَّارِ يَا عَزِيزُ يَا غَفَّارُ يَا رَبَّ الْعَالَمِينَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِي يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله thanks and praise to Allah Taala um, we dealt yesterday with the history of Hajj and in the process of the history of Hajj we dealt with the aspect of certain ayat that Allah Taala indicated to us and we were looking at what happened in the history with Nabi Ibrahim and Allah Taala tested Nabi Ibrahim and he then had to take his family off to Mecca and place them there. We saw in the history processes how Nabi Ibrahim, for that matter, leaves them there and leaves off. And the process that happens with the wife having to call unto him as to say to him, Why are you leaving us here? Yet at the third time when she asked him, Have you, did Allah tell you this? She immediately accepted it from him because she knew he was a messenger, a Nabi. And he would never do anything to violate the laws of Allah. And he was very obedient to his Lord. And thus, she immediately turned to Allah and she cried to Allah. And she says to Allah, I trust you, my Lord. You wouldn't leave me here for, a, for no reason. And you will look after me. She had the total trust. But she also then, we see the process happens of how Nabi Ibrahim goes to the mountain and begs Allah Ta'ala to, to protect them and he makes dua for his family and he shows his deep concern and his worry obviously with pain in his heart because he had the love for his son and, and now he needs to depart from that because Allah has given him a job load to be able to do and he returns back 
goes away from them and Allah leaves them there. We then see in the history or we've seen in the history how it came the moment that there was no more food left and she was a mother. She had to feed the baby. The baby was still weaning from her and the baby couldn't couldn't move on him in himself and she was in need of having to eat and to drink because to feed the baby and if she eats and drinks then there would be food in her body to be able to allow the child to drink and unfortunately the situation came there was no more food left for her to eat and to drink and she has done her already her research in having to look around and see whatever she can find of food and things in the event of anything Allah as Allah wanted it there was nothing in that moment the situation came to the fact that there was no more, not even any more milk in her breast to be able, and this brought pain to the baby and fear and crying. And then she then gave, put the baby aside, went to look and find. And she looked around and tried to still, still see what can she find around. And she, we, we went to the process where she saw the effect of water on the one heel. And she went there and we came to realize it was actually a mirage that she's she, she seen. And this mirage is the thing that she's from the one hill, she sees it on the other hill and she moves from the one side to the other. At the same time, we've also seen the process of how she moves around and sees birds in, moving in, in, in circles in the sky, telling her there's some of it life down there. And she, whenever she moves from the one hill to the other, she sees it as if this bird has moved to the other side. And so she moves from the one side to the other and she fills the process between Safa and Marwa, running between Safa and Marwa seven times. Allahu Akbar. Until the last time she comes back and she's tired. And we said that in between when she gets to the moment of when she is on the flat ground near the baby, she rushes through that because she doesn't want to be near him. She doesn't want his her pain that she has within her and the love for her child, she doesn't want that to be able to curb her from having to get and to find something. The lesson that you and I need to learn that Allah has taken this woman to be able to educate the human ummah, the ummah of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa the human race to say to them, don't ever dream that you'll be able to get anything in life. Nothing comes your way. It doesn't happen with dreams. It doesn't happen with just calling in dua. Dependence is not saying I depend on Allah and they rely on Him and wait is going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Allah says in the Quran, You will not obtain anything. You will achieve nothing. You will not be able to reach your dreams. Your du'as cannot be accepted unless you put in the necessary effort, commitment and dedication to want to achieve that, to see that that becomes a reality. So it's this woman, Allah uses her to teach this lesson to everybody in humanity, to teach the human race. Through a woman, Allah allows this lesson, an intensive lesson. She's alone, as if she's in, a, she's, is in, she's in the sea of nothingness. There's no food, no drink, no water, no life. Absolutely heat and uncomfort. And she has to now find something. She walks with the last, after the last movement to Marwa. She's put in everything and she now realizes that it's, it's a mirage and, and, and there's nothing and she walks down slowly and, 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 and as we said as, as in a gradual process where that she needs to come down from and she comes down slowly this time. But there's no, there's no, almost no power. The body is weak. She feels tired. She feels the heat, the uncomfort. And suddenly in her moving down, she sees in the distance that there's something happening by her child, some weird effect. It some to her, seems to her something as if there's been an animal or something around that comes to affect this child. This thing is standing right at the child. The child is screaming and crying and calling like any child, like any baby who's hungry, subhanak. Shukran so much for that recap there. Sheikh is going through us with a brief recap as to the history of Hajj. And yes, Sheikh is going to be continuing on that note, Sheikh Tafatmum. Shukran Jazakallah for that one, Yasmina. Just before the break, we were at the point where Sayyidati Hanna Hajira comes down from Marwa and walks down and then sees this foreign being there, um, not knowing what it is. Uh, it, it puts excitement to any mom. A child is at stake. The life of him. What if the thing vows him, kills him, hurts him? And obviously, 
brings the worry, a concern, and he pieces, she rushes, and she gets now to the child, she runs to get to the child, and, 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 and whatever she probably can do to be able to see that, she stops the thing. But she's a distance away. And she sees how this thing, in the different rewired, describes it, has something like a sword or a uh, staff in his hand and pierce it at the feet of the child. Allahu Akbar. Can you imagine this sight in the sight of a mother, a mom? It appears to her the child is laying there and this thing is as he, as he going to kill her child. But it's right at the feet where the child is. In the other riwayah it says right there where the child was screaming and crying and, and being hungry like any baby who's under pain and severity. Hits its feet, kicks its feet down, and right, right there where the king of the feet is happening, right there where these things pierces the thing in the ground, and subhanallah, ya Rab, water gushes out. And as she gets nearer, trying to rush to get now, to put in all the energy to get to her baby, because she wants to protect him, she doesn't realize, subhanak, at the moment she gets there, she sees this, Water gushes from the ground. Allahu Akbar. And Allah takes away this being that's been at the side, disappears. And she seizes water and suddenly it changes her whole mindset. Because it's now what she's been calling for, what's her wish and desire. And she goes down, she grabs it, but she finds as if it's going to run away. And she says to it, zoom, zoom. And she put some to, to allow it not to, 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 to go too far and she drinks and uses of it and alhamdulillah it quenches her thirst allows her to be able to feed her breast and allows her to be able to feed a little baby allows her to be able to make her feel ease of the heat and the uncomfort it cools her and the baby and it gives her contentment and she can't imagine the excitement of what she's going through subhanak uh, can't realize that, that it is a reality almost as if a dream I've just been looking for and suddenly yeah I find it right yeah subhanak and this gift Allah grants her to be able to be her power and sight that she has and this brings about the process of the growth of Nabi Ismail and Sayyidatina Hajira to live in Makkah now Allah has sent them the need for human life the basic need that everywhere in the world every human being is in need of that basic need must be there and that is water we know that nothing grows eh? we know it's a mom and a baby alone we know nobody can go and hunt and there is nothing that moves around in hunting processes there's nothing that she can go and pick and, and that she's plowed or anything she's a woman and a baby alone and she's got to give time to this child she's got there's no food now she lives on this water and she drinks of it and it becomes her food and her drinking and she does everything a person needs to do with water so if this cleaning if there's uh, uh, the process of whatever needs to happen and you and I know how much water we use and we need every day. Allahu Akbar. And Allah grants water to be the water for them and to be the life for them. Allahu Akbar. That stands with us up till this very, very day. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. I now have to be able to take you over to the process in history. What happens? As to what happens after that? She then stays in this place. And she then looks after the child. Now, in route between Yemen and Syria, there are tribes moving up, Arab tribes moving up and down to be able to make business through the, 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 the in, in, in Yemen where the ships comes from right around the world with whatever they have gone to the various countries of the world in the East Far East especially they bring it to Yemen and then from Yemen they move with that goods they move over to Syria and in Syria there's these things that people has gone through other routes in, the, in, in, in Europe and in, in uh, um, Asia where they've uh, port and sell and they bring it to the markets at Syria and in the Syrian market and the Yemen market the international markets there they exchange in route and there's a tribe amongst the Arabs which is an Yemeni tribe 
that moves up and down to be able to create the process of that business that needs to be able to flow. And subhanaku on the, now usually when there is a caravan that moves, or caravans that moves up and down the land, there is always amongst the caravan what we call the scouts. Those people who looks after the concern of the caravan, who protects it and who informs them about anything or if there's danger on the road. And these, peop- these people of the scouts move around the caravan up and down to be able to see, to, s- to inform them what is, needs to happen. And suddenly this for a few, for a few people that, as the scouts, this day for the first time they see in the distance very, very far inland, they are very near them, very much near the coast they are moving, but inland there is a process of birds traveling in the sky, circuiting in the sky. They see these birds and they amaze at it because they've never seen in the desert birds flying up there in that area, which means that says that there's somewhat life out there. And then they decided, these few men, decided that they're going to go into the desert and they're going to move to follow the vision that they see of these birds. But this is all Allah's decree. And they traveled and they traveled and they traveled. And as they traveled, they got to a place. They, they, they see, uh, um, they got to an area where this was a, a mountainous area and they went over the mountainous areas. And when they got over the mountainous areas, they see these birds are still moving up here. And they came to the top of the mountainous areas and they went over the mountain. They saw a valley, Allahu Akbar. And then they saw this movement and they saw that there's somewhat life in that valley. And they went down to the valley. And when they went down to the valley and they got to the valley edge where, the, where they seems to, the movement is of the birds above them, they looked down and they saw... And they went down to the people, the, 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 the life that there was, and they got there, they found a mother, a woman, and a child only. And what was amazing to them, it was not only life as to what life is, or they found anything on the way. They found this water, which according to them never has reached them in any sense, that this woman has water. And then they spoke to this woman. And the woman said, yes, they could come and get some water if they want to. And then they went back to the caravan and the, the, of the scouts, they went back to the caravan and told the people of the caravan what they found. And it's not too far in and they then decided to take the whole caravan there and they went to meet up with these people. And then the, the tribe, was some of the tribe leaders was one of them and they then made an agreement with her, said to hear them her, for the fact that they've been traveling up and down this route, it was somewhat a very uncomfortable route because it's in the middle of the desert and there's not very much water around in the area here so that they know and here is a, a possibility, it, it somewhat can establish what we would call a halfway station between Yemen and Syria for them to come and come and come in here and have some water or see that they enjoy themselves and they move on. Um, they, they, they spoke to the woman and the woman said Atina Hajar and she made the agreement with him this, yes you could come and you could bring your people and no problem there is water. Then when they went off to Yemen they spoke to their people at, at their tribe and then they came back with tribesmen to be able to come and site this new site. And the discussion that they had, it was in no man's land, only a woman and only a baby. Nobody else. Allahu Akbar. It was amazement for them. When they asked this woman about the background of who she comes from, she told them that she, she's the, the wife of Nabi Ibrahim. She told them of the fact that her husband is Ibrahim and that she came all the way from, from, from Syria up north. And not from Syria, from, from Palestine or up north, coming down to, 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 to what we call Palestine today, uh, Beit al-Maqdis. And she was brought here to that, from that area. She came uh, and, and, and she was brought here by her husband and she's now staying here, alhamdulillah. Then, then the tribesmen speak to her and try to be able to ask and see now. Subhanak, they saw a woman alone with a, a child. The strength that they could have used, their power and their might, they could have just taken the water from her and finished in class. But nay, 
they made an agreement with her. When they, she, 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 when they asked her, is it possible that we can establish a community here with you? Is it possible that we can come and live here? Can we establish the halfway station here? Would you mind, mind to give us the right to do so? She said to them, with no, 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 you have the freedom, you can do so. There's nothing against you. You can come and do so. Establish. Obviously she was in dire needs. But then Allah granted her certain qualities and she said to them, with one condition, with one condition. Now, when she put her condition down, they could have override her condition. But they saw this honor and this dignity of this woman. And they gave that dignity back to her. Subhanak. And what is it? She says, one condition and that condition is that the water that is here belongs to me. It belongs to me and to my family and my offspring. Right? And you can, 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 can come and enjoy and use of this water, but I'm the person in charge of this water. Allahu Akbar wa alhamd. Subhanak. They accepted it because they were in need. If they had to kill her or had to take her life away from her or anything from her and had to just take the water, then it would have been theirs in the world of, of negativity. But Alhamdulillah, they were not negative people. They were people who realized what it is like to live. And they wanted to give honor to her as well. They gave honor to her and her family. Allahu Akbar. And Allah granted them to be the tribe who in actual fact became the Arab tribe. Uh, Yemeni Arab tribe who come and stays at Makkah of what we have today, the processes of Quraysh as we know them to be that main tribe that takes charge of that kind of part of the country, inshallah. Shukran so, so much for that, Sheikh. It then happens to the, pro to the extent that Allah will grant this tribe to carry on, grow and develop in the places and uh, through the very fact that people now came, to the, that there was life in the, we know the Bedouins, uh, the nomads comes in and moves around the areas because there's now life in the area and there's water and there's this this is this food things growing there and there's animals moving there and 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 this is the reason so life becomes and the, the place develops and it grows and it grows and allah allows the process to develop <coughs> and allah then grants the process to happen where allah ta'ala then grants the opportunity for nabi ibrahim come back he used to visit them from time to time and Allah granted him in the, in the knowledge that we have of Nabi Ibrahim Allah granted him to be able to travel with what we know the the Burak from from when he wanted to visit his family Allah sends the Burak to him the Burak gets to him and he gets onto the Burak and the Burak takes him off to Makkah Subhanak la hawla now remember the story of the Burak how it happens with the, the night of Laylatul Mi'araj. Nabi has to use the Burak's vehicle. So Allah has sent this vehicle to Nabi Ibrahim already from Jannah to be able to take Nabi Ibrahim from Palestine all the way to, to Makkah to be able to visit his family. And so many a time Nabi Ibrahim would come and visit them and would be there for the evening, would be there for the, for, for the day or so, something like that. And not long because he's, he gets onto his vehicle again and then he goes off, right? And Allah allowed him to travel in and out. And this one occasion, that Nabi Ibrahim came. He came there and he said to his wife, now that this is now the child has grown up, a little, little boy moving around, and he sees his dad from time to time. He moves and sees his dad from time to time. And, and he's obviously like a little child, very excited to see his dad and interacting with his dad, and dad interacts with him. And like any dad would have the zest and desire to want to see his child, he goes and has the intimacy with, just spend some time with the child. And obviously would stay there until Allah grants him the permission to stay there. And he stays there with the child. And at this occasion when he came, he comes and says to his wife, if you don't mind, um, I would like to take my child, he's a little boy still, but like to try to get there because he's, he, he, there's not much around them. Um, I'd like to teach him the skill of hunting so that he can know how to hunt and he can go out to get whatever there is of feed, something to eat and to drink, and, and, and whatever there is of food and, and development for you people. So the mom says yes. But in reality that was not it. And then the mother uh, uh, um, prepares the processes and sends the father with, 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 with the child and to go and do the hunting, and do the processes of hunting. And as the child went, 
distant with the father. The father said to the child and sat him down and said to him, My boy, I want to inform you of something. The real reason for me being here today is I want to inform you that I had a dream. And in this dream I saw that I have to slaughter you. And we are going to be stopping on that note. It just ended in terms of the dream that Nabi Ibrahim salam had about slaughtering his son. And now we are going to be listening to the story further on, Sheikh Tafatul. We were telling you of what happened in the story of, of Nabi Ibrahim with his son. And he says to his son, um, in the words of Allah, Ya Bunayya, Inni ara fi manami anni azbahuka, fandur madha tara. We see the beauty of this in the sense of how Allah tells us and almost uh, captures the whole issue and the surrounding. And the, 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 the base Allah says, Nabi Ibrahim says to his son, Ya Bunayya, O oh my beloved son, my boy, Inni ara fil manam, I've seen in my sleep, in my dreams, that I actually slaughter you. Fandur, look at it. Take a look into Listen to me. See what you. What is your view and your opinion? What do you hear? What do you understand of that? What is your vision? How do you. Would you relate to that, my boy? And the amazement not only is in Nabi Ibrahim very gentle with his son. Now remember, Nabi Ibrahim has done this because. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? It's because he saw in his dream, as he said to his son, I slaughter you. And at first when he saw this, he thought it's but a dream. And he couldn't imagine this to be a reality. Then the next day he dreamt the same. And as Ambiya, they realize dreams is not norm, not common. When dreams comes to them, it is some major issue. And especially the dream repeats itself. It's, a, it's an instruction. It's one of the ways of wahi from Allah Ta'ala to the Anbiya. He dreams this the second day, Allahu Akbar. And suddenly now the mind is, is thinking of this, whilst he's been in Palestine, thinks about it, Ya Rab. And then the day goes by, in the third night he dreams the same dream. The next morning he gets up for guaranteed, now he knows this is the command from Allah. But he's shocked, he's worried. And suddenly, alhamdulillah, to his amazement, he finds a barak there and he gets into the barak and he goes off. And that's the reason why he gets to Mecca. He gets the intimacy first with his family, his excitement with all them and beauty and all that. And so that doesn't tell this to the wife because it's, how, will you, how are you going to tell the mother of the child you're going to do this? How would any father? Allahu Akbar. Nabi Ibrahim takes, uh, has takes, spoken to the mother and told the mother, she said that in the Hajra. Uh, of his intention that he has and he uses this as a means because he knew the child is now at a certain age which, which allowed the child to be able to get the ability to start to grow and to get skills in his life and we know through our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said to us when you deal with a child that the first few years of his life it's all about play the education that you give them you play with them you interact with them and this is how you share with them skills but the moment the skill becomes meaningful it needs to be able that you educate them that you prepare them you take them out on the field you give them the exposure of these things and this is what happens with Nabi Ibrahim this young child at this young age and as the scholar says to us very much between the age of seven to almost eleven somewhere there in between or something between the age of seven and nine this happened to this father where he takes this child and take, go off with the child, walks with him a distance and makes him sit and informs him of the reality. And when he sits down and makes him f understand the reality of what happens, he says to him these words, Ya Bunayya, and Allah captures this in the Holy Quran for us. And I'm going to share it with you a little bit later. He says, Ya Bunayya, O my beloved son, Inni arafil manam, I've seen in my sleep, Anni adbahuk, that I need to slaughter you. What is your view? What is your opinion? What do you see in it? Now, 
I think it's imperative that we actually listen to this lesson and see how this father deals with his child. It's also an educational process for all fathers. A lesson Allah wants to teach every father in life when it comes to your children. How do you deal with things? And especially when your child becomes, remember your child is no child. He is a child. But your child is, your, the, your duty of that child is to help him to become an adult. Education is not at the school. We say this all the time. Education is not at the university. Remember, the people of education is Professor Mom and Professor Dad. So the university that your, your child is going to be at, or the college is called college, or the university called home. The person, the people in charge of that university is Professor Mom and Professor Dad. And it's our duty. It's not the, the school's duty, not the sheikh's duty, not the Khalifa's duty, not the, to educate your children. The education, you must be proud, you must go out of your way to see the information your son and your daughter was given, has been given to your ch child because of that was happened. It's not your payment. You need to pay them for what they've done. You need to pay them for the fact that they've helped you. But the education, the information, the application thereof is you, Professor Mom, and you, Professor Dad, you have this responsibility. And Allah shows this lesson in what happens to Nabi Ibrahim. He made his child sit and he says to his child, what is your view? You're a human being, you've got a brain, you can think for yourself, you can make your own mind. I'm not here to inform, to instruct, and to command. Yes, I have to tell you, but I need to let you understand. Listen to the response of this child. It is total amazement. In case you and I may think that Nabi Ibrahim is having a very gentle and soft approach with the child. See what comes from this child and just imagine yourself the extent of this, how this child responds to what Nabi Ibrahim has to say. Excellent. So we are going to be getting the response from Nabi Ibrahim alayhi son in terms of what his view was when Nabi Ibrahim alayhi had the dream in terms of having to slaughter his son being Nabi Ismail. Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran jazakallah for that one, Yasmina. Ya Rabb, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Can you imagine in a valley where there's a lot of uh, uh, rocks and things and between uh, mountainous areas, but it, it, it's a rocky mountainous desert area. And this father sitting alone out there with his son, and he now asks this very pertinent question to his son. Um, he presents it and he says to him, Ya Bunaya inti arafil manami anni athbahuk. Oh my son, oh my beloved boy, I see in my dream, I've seen in my dream that I saw to you. What is your view? What is your opinion? And as we've said, the the method is the method that Allah Taala teaches you and me as when we go about with having to rear children. How do you deal with them? Remember, our, our process of having is to be able to nurture them not the physical nurture of the physical food and drink and food and, and, and clothing and cell phones and these things. Nurture their minds, nurture their life, nurture their understanding, nurture their mommy and daddy. Your job is not to see that the clothing and the food and 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 your job is to nurture your son and nurture your daughter to become human beings, to become decent and to become responsible, developed with mindsets, their mind. Because the biggest thing that you and I need to work with is to be able that we nurture their minds, we develop their minds, we make them their minds process. Because by Allah, it's all about what they think, what is their mindset of life. Have we prepared their minds to realize that they are slaves of Allah? Have we made them to be able to realize that they need, need to be submissive to the Lord of Universe? Listen to this child's response. Now, Nabi Ibrahim has had a very gentle approach as a means, and this child says to his father, Ya Abatif al Matumar, Satajiduni, insha'Allah, mina sabirin. Allahu Akbar. He says to his son, he says to his father, and it's a little boy. He says to his father, Ya Abati, O my beloved father, if Al-Matumar, instead you told me of what your dream was, let me tell you from my side, I say to you, do as you've been commanded. Because 
immediately I understand if Alma Tumar Satajiduni inshaAllah you will find me, my father, you will find me, O oh dad, a person who will bear the patience of the challenges that has been given to you, the uncomfort and the, uh, the difficulties. Where does this get, child get this from? Where, where does this fall from in disguise? Is it because he's also a Nabi that as a Nabi he responded? Nay. The lesson Allah wanted to teach you and me. The lesson Allah wants to say to us, and it's a very strong and hard message, is saying to us, if you are a mother, you have a duty to do, to see that you nurture the child's mind, the child's cognate fact, understanding of life. Mom, it's not the, the university your child goes to. Mom, it's not the school your, your child goes to. Mom, it's your duty. You, Professor Mom, that needs to see that you nurture the child. You nurture his mind. You work at it from a very young age. And this mother has done this. And her efforts comes through in the fact that she has made this child aware exactly who his dad has been all the time. This is your dad. She's given him a beautiful picture of his dad all the time. And that whenever his dad came around, he was excited to meet his dad. And the dad was happy to see with him. But the child had all the wonderful, beautiful dreams and, and, and understanding of who his dad is. Of what mom has done. When she nurtured this child's mind in respecting, in revering and in honoring dad all the time. If you and I were to be asked by our dads the same question, if daddy had to come to you and had to ask you, my dear, I saw in my dream that I must slaughter you, what would you have done? You would have looked for the earliest or the nearest path to rush away from dad a million kilometers away as fast as you can. Wasn't it true? Am I, am I speaking a lie? Uh, this is what have happened to you and me, whether it's male or female. So what does it tell us? It tells us this message, this mom has built into this child's mind. How she made him realize what she is as a slave to Allah. And how she got this via the person that reared her, that nurtured her, which is his father. He almost nurtured her as to be the one that she was reared by. Allahu Akbar. But she also made this child understand the greatness and the honor and the responsibility that Allah has given your dad. And he's a submissive slave of Allah. And whenever he speaks, he only does justice and good. And thus she told the child the moment your dad left, don't worry, he hasn't left. He didn't run away. The day he ran away, I called him. The day I saw him going away, the day I saw him leaving us, I called upon him and I said, why are you leaving me? And she told the child the full story. And then she also told the child, that moment when I asked him, did Allah command you this? Because this is what I know of him. He would never do anything unless it is the command of Allah. And if he does something that's strange, I asked him, did Allah command you this? And he answered me and he said to me, yes. So then I had my total trust in Allah and I turned to Allah. And she gave this child a total understanding of respect and honor and dignity to give unto your father. But this we need to let every mother understand. If you have a husband who is obedient to Allah, then you nurture your child's mind in respect and honor and dignity and you see that your child breaks his back to see his respect for his dad is foremost. Because your dad will see if he's a dad that loves Allah and his Rasul, he will make sure and he will break his back to see that your son and your daughter gives you reverence and honor and dignity as Allah has given to you. That is what we see in the story of Nabi, uh, uh, Nabi Ibrahim and his son Ismail and his wife Hajra. And Allah wants to educate us with us to see the greatness and the wonder in this family and how they carry this over. I must probably want to take this story to another level, to the level of us in the life today. What we see that we make a major issue about a woman when she rears a child alone. And then we say 
The child has the right to be able to go into drugs. The child has the right to be able to be disobedient. The child has the right to be because because there was, was, was a single parent. Wow. Tell me the extent of the modern single parents, of all the modern single parents, with a millions of things around them, a million of support systems around them. There was zero support system. The major support system was the person who was a single parent under the most severe circumstances, the most uncomfortable circumstances, yet she managed to be able to nurture the mind of this child, to have that link with Allah, to have that respect for his parent and dignity because she realized that this child and so when Allah child chooses us in today's life to be single parents, we have a responsibility to be able to do that which Allah shows us. Those before you has been been in situations million times, billion times worse than yours ever will be. You have luxury live in the world of wealth, a world of so much support systems. And still you complain? How dare you? Shame upon you. That you can allow your children to be able to go off the path of Allah because of your negligence and of your disobedience? Na'udhu billah. This is the message Allah wants to teach us. That if you are a single parent, now what if you're not a single parent? What shouldn't every mother and father not do when they realize they are not single parents? What is, isn't the load even furthermore heavier on us, on you and me, to see that what is our duty when it comes to parents, to children? And how we must be actually nurture the minds of the children. Don't worry about the eating, the drinking. D- leave that to Allah. Allah says, wa When it comes to rizik, we feed you and your children. So you don't need to be able to go and look for this, that, and the other. We will bring you the rizik which we have offered to you. May Allah grant khair and barakat all of us, inshallah. I mean, inshallah. Shukran so much for that. And for now, for now, we are going to be paying some attention to the questions that has come through. And uh, Sheikh, before we continue in terms of going on to our lessons that we have learned in the history of Hajj, we are now going to be paying attention to one question that came through in particular, and that was on our WhatsApp. Uh, that was on our on our WhatsApp line, and it says here. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh, and all in studio. Sheikh, I just wanted to know if I can go on Hajj if I owe people money. Kindly advise. Allahu Akbar, I think a very, very important question. The question has unfortunately many angles to the question. Um, I, I hope we probably can manage to answer all those angles right now because it's a very, very important question. I like it when the person says, Can I go for Hajj if I owe people money? What we need to understand, many people under the impression has to do with forgiveness of sin. So if I go to Allah and Allah forgive my sin, then I don't need to owe anybody anything. A person that wants to go for Hajj can only go for Hajj when he has already seen to the process of monies that he owes anybody. What if death comes upon you? You are traveling away from home. You want your ibadah to be accepted. You want to go for a hajj which needs to be makbul and mabrur. It cannot happen when you owe people money. No, not money. Anything that you have of others. You've taken their tools. You've taken anything from somebody and you haven't given it to that person. And you want to go for hajj. You may not go for hajj. You cannot go for hajj. You cannot expect that Allah is going to forgive you. Nay, Allah, the Lord of the universe, is the most merciful Lord that there is. But that Allah makes it a condition that if a person wants to go for pardon, pardon, forgiveness, then he needs to go to the people that he owes whatever he owes from them first. And he gets the forgiveness from them. And he gets the pardon from them. And they give him the right of having to say, no, you may go. They pardon him or they command that whatever is their right. And if they command whatever is their right, then the person may not go for Hajj, may not. It would be haram for that person to go for Hajj if he still owes somebody else something. We seem not to understand this matter. But one of the things that I want to actually deal with slightly added to this process 
is the misunderstanding that we find today a total and i want to emphasize this misunderstanding and i beg all of you who's listening to me right now please when it happens to yourself and your family see that for future purpose we do not add the misconceptions and the negativities to the future of our hujaj it is a sin wallahi it's a sin i swear by allah to say in your lesson in your advertising process of your going for hajj i hereby come to greet you and tell you if i've done anything harm or wrong to you knowing or unknowing now the sin and the wrong and the wrong that we are doing and the negativity that we've given to the universe to be able to show that's a permissibility and everybody just jumps onto the bad bandwagon and they just use it and get away with it is that word knowingly knowingly means i know very well i owe you i know very well i've hurt you i know very well i've insulted you i know very well i've got a hatred for you i know everything that i that could everything against you but i here come to ask you maaf and you must just forgive me oh no this is a lie this is a misconception this is against the very base of this deen this is against allah this is against the nabi muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his message this is against islam islam says if you owe anybody and you are a muslim you must and compulsory must with capital letters m underlined exclamation marks at the end of the word must it's such an important must that you may not go to any place in this world other than having to see that you owe whatever you owe you give to that person or if you've harmed that person you need to go and beg that person for forgiveness if you've insulted or spoken ill against the person or thought negative about the person or did any harm against the person behind his back you need to face him and beg him or her for forgiveness in the words of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says sallallahu alaihi wasallam whatever happens to you on your hajj Allah forgives you for whatever is between you and the law of Allah. But whatever you owe humanity, Allah is not going to forgive you 100% not. Yes, you come clean of Hajj because of the forgiveness being forgiven of the sin that you have between you and your Lord Allah. But that what you owe of people, your Lord is not going to forgive you. If if it is that your Lord is going to forgive you, it means He is a very unjust and unfair Lord. Subhanak ya Rabb, my Lord is not unfair and not unjust. He wouldn't allow me to be able to steal from you, and I put it in my pocket and I walk away from you and think nothing. That is not my Lord. My Lord is somebody. If I take from you by necessity, if I want to be His slave, I must show Him. I will take back. what belongs to you and give it to you and beg you for forgiveness or tell you i've done wrong and i've done harm i've hurt you and i wish you to forgive me and or if you are not prepared to forgive me to be able or you need to say to me but you are in need of what i have taken from you i need to give it back to you i need to bring it and only if i take it back to you and give unto you what belongs to you fully then and then only can i make the effort to be able to go on hajj may allah grant us to be able to be of those people who understand i mean shukra so much for answering that she sheikh there is another question that has come in but i'm sure that sheikh maybe want to reiterate on the question which we asked before before the ad break and that was with regards to someone owing someone money yes shukran for that one and yes mina i i think we need to just cover this question first before we add, add the other questions Shukran jazakallah khair. Um just coming back to this question where we need to look and understand the process of having to owe other people money. Allow me to share a hadith with you people if you don't mind. And I I think all of us must need to come to understand the process of what happens here. Our Nabi, the Nabi of rahmah to humanity, he says to us, there will be a person yawm al-qiyamah who will stand at the doors of Jannah. In his hand he will have a needle. a needle a a a a a naald en gare die naald the needle he will have a needle in his hand because he owe this needle to somebody and he will not be allowed to enter jannah simply because 
he owes this needle to somebody and you would want to wait for this person to pass by so they can give it to this person and then only being granted the opportunity to enter Jannah. Ya Rab, what does this say to us? That when you owe a person as much as a needle or as much as a penny or any little thing that you owe to somebody, your possibility for you not having to enter Jannah is massive, it's great, it's possible. Who says this to us? Our Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says this person will not be allowed to enter Jannah. And here you find people owes millions to others, thousands to others. And they can still go on the journey and they think they can get away. And they come back and they don't even say a single cent to any, give a single cent or say a single word as if Allah has forgiven me, so why don't you forgive me? You cannot be forgiven. You will not be forgiven. Forget about it. You're forgiven the sin between you and Allah. If you haven't made your salah, Allah will pardon you. If you haven't given your zakah, Allah can find reasons to pardon you. The uh, commands and orders of what you've dared to do to your dad and to your mom, Allah would pardon you. But that which you owe somebody else of the right that belongs to them, it doesn't belong to you, you stole it from me. It remains a stolen deed. You are a thief in the sight of Allah. You will remain a thief even if you call yourself a Muslim. And even if you say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Thieves are not people who take from others alone and think they can get away with it. That, that is a thief. Those people are not. Muslim in submission to Allah because a Muslim says the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa who does not harm any other Muslims his wealth his position and his honor will never you will never ever touch that that makes you a Muslim so it, it, it almost is that the hadith says to me I'm very far from being Muslim if I call myself a person who goes for Hajj and I don't care the way I treat other people and the wealth and the honor and dignity that belongs to others Yes, you've got money, that's why you go for Hajj. But you've got other people's money. You've got the haq of others. You are abusing it, you're stealing it, you are, you are using it in every sin. It's the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa the Nabi of mercy who said, if you've taken a pin, a needle from somebody else, you will not be being granted the right to enter Jannah. And even if you have ten Hajjs on your name, Ya Rabb, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was given the opportunity in many occasions when people passed on. Then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will ask when the Sahaba informs him of the passing on of this one person. He says, the Nabi would ask, does that person owes anybody any money? And when they said, yes, he owes certain people monies, the Nabi then says, you go and you make salatul janaza on that person. And you perform the, the battle processes, leave that. Because the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa in his capacity as the messenger of mercy, as the messenger of mercy may not, under the command of Allah, him the messenger of mercy may not make salatul janazah, may not, because if he does, then Allah must pardon that person. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, go and set that person and see what you do. Sometimes the Sahaba were so uncomfortable about the situation. Some of them took over the, the pains of others and says, oh Allah, oh Ya Rasulullah, I'm going to pay the money of that whatever that person owes, I'm going to pay it on his behalf to grant him the opportunity of the dua of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa But what's more important is the fact that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, you go and you perform salah, I may not salah on that person, not until the debt is seen to by that person, Ya Rab, or the family of that person. May Allah grant us understanding of the issue and allow me just to repeat again one of the places where we do a major harm, a major, major harm is by putting this wrong word into the greetings by saying if I've done any harm to you knowingly or unknowingly whatever you do unknowingly Allah will pardon you whatever you've done and you didn't do it purposefully you, Allah will pardon you if anybody has a claim against you of something which is unknown to you and you didn't purposefully do it then Allah's going to pardon you for that but if it is something that you are aware of that word knowing is not befitting in 
any, any, any greeting and never ever may a person wish to ever go for Hajj without having to first settle his debt prior to him having to inform anybody of the fact that he wished to go for Hajj. May Allah open the path for all of us and grant our people the understanding this ibadah Allah wants for us to become the best of human beings, the best of Muslimin, the best of slaves of Allah, but at the understanding it doesn't happen at the expense of the harms that we do against other people. Billah, may Allah open the path for us and grant us khair and barakah for dunya and for akhirah insha'Allah. I mean, shukran so much, Sheikh. And then, here's another question that has come through on our WhatsApp number. Sisi, assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. So many people wanting to, do, to go for Hajj now are depending on sponsors. Is Hajj not then only followed when you are by the means? What is the view on this, Kanala? MashaAllah, la Allah says to us in the Holy Quran that Hajj is Allah's made the compulsive effect for those people who have made the necessary effort and commitment and dedication to it. And that the person must put in the effort to be able to see that he obtains us. Many a times, and, and, and forgive me if I'm going to use the opposite of the, of the question, what we've seen, we've seen people that has been sponsored. And the person comes in Makkah and all the person doesn't is complain, complain and complain. And even comes back and complain and complain and complain. Yet the person has been sponsored. Now if you've been sponsored, isn't more reason for you to be able to show appreciation? Or to say thank you? Or to not know what to do to be able to let the world understand that I am excessively appreciative of every little thing that happened. And all that you could learn from Hajj was the reason to be able to complain and complain and complain. But this is what happens when we sponsor. We give unto those who is not worthy of. Who is not worthy of that we give to them. And so, I wouldn't discourage the fact that certain people or certain organizations would want to give tickets to people. But it must be given to people that has proven they've worked hard in the field of Islam. They've effort so, put in so much effort and commitment to support the deen of Allah and to support positivity. And that they strive to want to know their deen and they want to love their deen and they want to apply the life of Islam and Allah's message. If those are the conditions of a person and Allah's made him a poor man, if you give him a ticket, that type of person would be excessively appreciative. But today, many a people wants to be in the line. Said my name, or because I will look back at the Hajj doesn't. Allah doesn't want you to go for Hajj because you must go for Hajj. If you don't have the wealth, then it's not necessity on you. So don't want to go. See, so ask yourself: Did I do everything to prepare? Allah will send money to you. Allah will send rizik to you. And don't wait on, a, on, on, a, on a, 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 somebody who comes to, to, to sponsor you. And please don't wish your name to be put in. Or even, don't even, because that is not what Islam wants. Set my name up, because I will look at Depend on Allah. Speak to Allah. Beg of Allah. And if Allah wants somebody else, can rather put in your name. But don't you or the child of the person put the name of your dad or your mom in. If Allah grants, it will, money will come. If Allah grants, it will happen and Allah will take you there. Nothing is impossible. If, if the need for Hajj is a billion rands, and believe you me, if you must go for Hajj, Allah can make it a thousand billion and make it easy for you. And you can do it and come back home and you can be rich and you can have... Because Allah grants it to you. It only happens, but many a time people go. My point is the fact that people must be ready to want to go, having seen that they've done all the necessary strife and hard work and preparation. Because Hajj doesn't ask for money. Hajj asks for education. Years of education. Ask as far as experience of Islamic lifestyle. Years of that. It asks for spirituality on the highest level. Years of that. It speaks for moral character. It's been of the best for years of that. It asks for all those things. If you lack those things, then even if the road is pure, you, it's not a necessity of yours. You need to see that the preparational work has been worked at. Not getting onto a sponsor list. 
to be sponsored to be able to may Allah protect and can make it to all of us inshallah shukran so much for that sheikh that then now concludes some of our questions that has come through and then also uh, here's another question just before we head on here's another question that came through via our ism uh, via our whatsapp and it says assalamualaikum sheikh if a person go for umrah must a person first pay all your debts before a person can go to mecca if it is the person has a debts where you owe, owe people you need to tell draw them in because remember you're going for umrah like going for hajj is the very very same you are taking the wealth of others and thinking nothing of their wealth so you need to draw them in and let them understand i wish to go is it possible for me yes or no uh, if they say to you you need to be able to pay their debts back back to them then you need to pay the debts back to them first that, that is a far greater than the fart of making salah I mean, a fart making, uh, going for Hajj or going for Umrah. The fart, the fart of your wealth, of your, the fact that you owe people is greater in the sight of Allah as a necessity against you for those people who is deserving of that than you having to go for an Umrah or for a Hajj. Shukran Sheikh, and then there's another question that has come through and it says, yeah, Assalamu alaikum, is it permissible to give and eat and treat for one who wants to go for Hajj and Umrah? Is it permissible to give and eat a treat for something of that nature? Quite permissible. The question is, you need to make this aware of the fact of the people, and they must feel constant of the fact that um, you, you're having a business. Because remember, when you make business, Islam allows business to happen. You, you might sometimes inform the people, you might not inform the people. Um, why you're making your business but one of the reasons is that you want to perform Hajj then it's quite permissible if the business processes that you do is an Islamic business process um, you, you, you might inform the public and you might not inform the public you have the right to be able to um, to do to, to, to things of that nature buying and selling is permissible so uh, uh, eat and treat if you do it without having uh, like for instance you, you, you set up a process where we say we the family can work together to be able to send our mom for Hajj and our mom is somebody who's been learning all the time, but she doesn't have all the money. And, 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 and we now and we do certain things. And one of those things, or for some of those things that we're doing is eat and treats. There's nothing wrong. As long as you're doing what is righteous, permissible within the field of Islam. Shukran, Sheikh. And here is also a few questions that has come through. And it says, yes, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Is the reward the same if you go for Umrah, if someone sponsors you, and if you go with your own money? And this comes from Butamunir Boys. Okay. Uh, um... If, if, if you go with your own money, subhanak, the value is so much more greater for yourself. If you go with the sponsoring of other money, Allah will grant you whatever Allah will grant you for your efforts. And Allah will grant them whatever they have put into as help and assistance. for whatever. And so they will get a portion, almost probably everything that you do because they've sponsored you. They will get a portion of that or they get everything of that. You obviously do your good that you can from your side and Allah will accept that inshallah. May Allah grant khairan baraka inshallah. Shukran Sheikh. And then the last question before we head on to our normal programming and that is of course is here from our WhatsApp number. Salam, what if you forgive the what if you forgive the debt owed to you, meaning of my brother that owes me money after years, he did not pay back and I do not tell him, but I say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I have forgiven the debt. Will he be forgiven? The moment you the person who ask for forgiveness he will be forgiven and allow me to use the hadith because of the sense of the the way you put it as as a forgiven this person comes the the the, the sahaba comes to the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and says ya rasulullah this person cannot read his kalima shahada and then the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam asked does he have a mom they said yes ya rasulullah she's a mom and she's an old lady and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa asked to have this old lady brought to him or ask of this lady to come to him. When she gets the information, she makes her duty to be able to get to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa as an old woman, very, very old, struggling to walk. When the Nabi came to hear the reality of the, 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 the age of this old lady and how she struggles, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa goes then to be able to meet her. But then it happens so that they meet on the way. And as they meet on the way, subhanak, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to her about her son, I came to understand that your son is, is in a situation. Um, tell me about your son. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hears what the, the beautiful thing, things the mother is saying about her son. 
And at the end of it all, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to her, Tell me, what has he done to be able to be in the situation that he cannot get to the moment of saying his kalima shahada? And what is it that he has done to you? So the mother then goes into tears. And she cries and she says, Ya Allah, Ya Rasulullah, my son has done nothing wrong against me ever except for one moment in his life. For one moment in his life he chose his wife and gave unto her and he did not give me my rights that I had and it hurts me. And the Nabi sallallahu says to her, it is that then that is the reason why he is being in this difficult situation. That he, your son, has chosen his wife against you, the mother. Where the wife should have gone out of the way to support you and give you the honor, dignity, so that your husband can get that sense of forgiveness from Allah. Because his jannah lies at your, feet, at your feet, mommy. His wife is of no value to him. If she's not serving the cause of Allah and his messenger, she's destructive to him. She corrupts his life. She's being harm to his family. She's being on negativity. If she does not give his mother the honor and dignity, because if she realizes she is a mother, she would want to see that she serves the positivity of her children by having to see. Nabi said that then is the reason why. Nabi said it is the reason why. And the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to the to the Sahaba, "Do me a favor. Get uh, gather wood." And they gather wood and they gather wood and they bring it every time they bring the wood and the wood is stacking in front of the, uh, the Nabi sallallahu and this woman. And after this time this woman see but the wood is stacking the Nabi just sends them again for more and more wood. Nabi said to them, she, she asked the Nabi, Ya Rasulullah, you asked to be able to bring wood and every time they bring you, you ask for more and more. What? What is this wood for? The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, the only way Allah will forgive him is if you for the pain that your your son has done to you for the pain that he's done to you the only way is for him to be able to, to for you to be able to see him being meeting up with the fire of this dunya to free him because there's no way for freedom for what you've done in the fire of jahannam ya rab subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah so she said ya rasulullah what can i do Nabi says, the only way is if you pardon him, if you can forgive him from your heart, you pure. He says, she says, Ya Rasul, I forgive my son. I don't want to see him in the fire. I don't want to see him in the fire of the dunya. And I don't want to see him in the fire of the akhirah. Please, may Allah pardon him. Nabi says to the Sahaba, radiallahu anhu, go now. You will meet him saying his kalima shahada. And they went. And he said his kalim shahada and he passed on. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. I think the lesson is to realize that if you've done harm, the harms that you and I do, the negativities that we do, when we purely forgive for the sake of Allah from our hearts, Allah ta'ala pardons that person. Ya Rabb. And Allah ta'ala grants us khair and barakah for the fact that we are ready to pardon. Yes, part of the process of Debt is to have a sense of pardoning where we can. But if the person that you owe the debt to is in dire need of what you owe from him, you need to give it back to him. And yes, if that person, like for instance, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi tells us of what happens, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, where this one person is about to enter the fire of Jahannam, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he has got nothing to give. But the other person says, Ya Allah, but he owes me this, that, and the other. And yes, it could be you or me. It could be you or me that we owe somebody else. Allahu Akbar. And this person would say, but give me what I can get. Or take from my weaknesses and my sin and add that sense of mine on that person. So that, na'udhu billah, may Allah protect all of us. May grant khair and barakah. We've reached the end. May Allah accept the fact that we forgive. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي حسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بصبر وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله رب العالمين that then concludes our program مدرسة عن A 